0: Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. What a tale, what a saga we are about to get into. This episode is with Chris Georgian, who managed Blink-182 with Rick DeVoe. And he has the craziest perspective and stories on this because he grew up in Southern California and was just friends with Mark and was really just a fan of Blink-182 and tells the entire story of how it came to be that he went on to work with them and tells all these crazy stories and moments from like Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and all of the most magical times of Blink-182. He was in it, living it, and growing up and learning and becoming this amazing manager. And at least for me on a personal level, Blink 182 was one of the first it was the first band that showed me a different kind of music from the radio and it was such a formative, important band for me, and really one of my favorite all-time bands. So hearing these stories and getting into this is the craziest full circle, oh my god moment. It's so crazy. I don't know, I don't even know what else to say. It's just amazing. And Chris had never done a podcast before, and I had the honor of talking to him. And He told these stories so, so well. Not only did he tell these amazing Blink-182 stories, but he also has this amazing attitude towards just loving music and doing it for the right reasons and everything he learned and what he's gone on to do and the other artists that he works with and just everything. It's the most incredible story from such a rad, humble dude. I don't even know what else to say. Let's just get into it because it's it's just, let's go. It's so good. Where are all my friends back again? And I am so insanely stoked on this one. We are with Chris Georgian. And the reason this is happening is because of a mutual friend who was on the podcast already, but that is Ben Farber. And for any listeners who don't know, this is a special one because Ben and I are both pretty big fans of Blink-182 And I think that anyone that was influenced by music in any kind of way has to know of the importance of Blink-182. And Chris has a really special relationship to all of it and was a very core piece of those early days. And I pretty much just know that you don't do podcasts a lot. Um, So I'm fucking honored to have you You're
1: popping my podcast cherry right now.
0: Dude, I am. It is such an honor. So On behalf of all my fellow Blink fans, I hope I tell or I hope we get to hear those cool parts of those stories. But even bigger than that, like I want to hear about you because I think that your story and your career and everything that that experience led to is also fascinating. So just all around, this is going to be such a fun, insightful episode. I am fucking hype. So thank you Dude, for joining.
1: I'm, I'm hyped because you're hyped.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is this is gonna be a treat. So, uh, I guess to start it super simply, if that intro of you didn't say it, like to anybody who doesn't know who you are, just who you are, what you do, what you're currently up to, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Uh- My name is Chris Georgian from Poway, California, and I am an artist manager and have been forever. Yeah. (laughs) It's my second job. So here I am.
0: Which is so crazy because like just the little bit that we were talking before this started, like I'm trying, I was just kind of like getting an idea and that's what you said. You're like, I really didn't have other jobs before this. Like, this all happened. Yeah. So take me back, I guess, to those days of, like, you grew up in Poway. So you grew up in Southern Growing California. In Poway, yeah. Blink-182, like, something that I find very interesting is, like, I feel like everybody knows Enema, right? Like, 99 era, like, you can't not know that album. But really, Correct, yeah. there's a lot of Blink before that. So yeah. I'm so curious to hear, like, where you got involved and what that looked like. Like, were you around for Cheshire Cat? Like, what was your early days? Like, how does the beginning happen? Cause I'm fast. I need to hear this.
1: So I, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think it may come as a surprise, but I started out as a fan as well. You know, I grew up in Poway. Yeah. And, uh, I was, I guess you can say just the quintessential Southern California kid. I like to serve and go to punk rock shows. And, At that time, all it was for me was like Epitaph and Fat Records. That was my whole world. Taylor Steele, Surf Films, that was just what I brought up on. Yeah. And Blink, around Cheshire days, I was just, it was a local band. You know, it was like you liked Unwritten Law, you liked Blink. There was this like, who likes Blink, who likes Unwritten Law kind of thing. What? there was that kind of sort of era of it. So yeah, so I started as as just like a as a fan coincidentally which many years until later I didn't recognize but I actually lived around the corner from Tom growing up.
0: Really? He um, he was out in Poway yeah. as well?
1: Yeah, so he was out in Poway and I was I was like the the girl that I basically was like in love with from first grade to like 8th grade she lived next door to him. And so whenever I would like go to hang out, she was friends with Tom's sister. Who's now like one of my best friends, but they live like right around the corner for me for all those kind of like the years of like when the band kind of started, but completely had no clue what any of it meant at the time.
0: Dude, that's so nice. Not- was uh, was Soma around for your early days? Yeah, Yo,
1: right? yeah. Yeah, so, kind of like, so it was kind of like what people now know is like the original main Soma, but the original Soma pre the Soma years that I was there, it was like kind of like a dungeon downtown. But the Soma that I think people that are not from San Diego or the era that they want to remember, it was kind of right near USD College.
0: Yeah, well, I know it of sports arena. I think of some. Yeah, of it was sports basically sports
1: arena. arena right there. So yeah, that was like that's that's where we used to go to all the shows. It was literally surfing in Del Mar and then going to punk rock shows.
0: Holy, like that is the most SoCal life. Damn, so, very Cali boy. Okay, so you're growing up, you're surfing, you're going to shows, whatever, and you said you really didn't have too many jobs before this, so. You weren't a part of the days then. You were just a fan. Were no, you working so I a job then or were you just in
1: school? So I was. I got a job. This is kind of like how it all kind of comes. Oh, let's I, go. I got a job at the movie theater. Um, And one of my best friends in school worked at the movie theater. We played water polo together. And he goes, dude, we're hiring. And it was kind of like that stage where you're kind of like, uh, mom and dad, I want more than $20 allowance. There's like, go get a job. Yeah. So, I got a job at the movie theater just being an usher, and Mark Oppus came in. And being a, obviously a fan locally of the band, uh, we would just let him in for free.
0: Oh, so we were just, Yeah, because like, you're just like, at the like,
1: like, we'd go behind, we'd give him like free popcorn, and our manager would just be like, What are you doing? I was like, It's okay, dude. It's Mark from Blink. This They're like a celebrity. A huge band. Like, yeah and uh it just became honest to god became a thing where he was like such a routine it's like he had a thing it was like every sunday and tuesdays he would come to movies and so we would like see him he'd show up and like started off every now and then he'd come he'd be on a date he'd come with some friends and then it became through the years like anytime a band would come to town he would just bring a bunch of people and he'd be like yo is it okay and i'd be like you've got 15 people i'm not gonna say no so um, so you were just the, like the
0: OG it. plug, like you were just like yeah. the homie that would hook it up and probably made right him up. look so cool because he was exactly. like,
1: Well, and let's be honest, at that time it was like that was like when movies were legit, like 250 Tuesdays, <laughs> you know, I'm talking <laughs> like 95, 96, whatever it was, yeah, but yeah, so that's how that's how I got to know him. Like he just would come into the movie theaters and let him in for free. It's funny during one of the kind of trips, he, they were going to do a tour. It was homegrown less than Jake, I think. And this band river Phoenix was opening for them. And I was still in high school, couldn't drive. So I convinced this girl that I was like, Really into her sister was in college. So I was like, Yo, do you want to go to a show in Ventura just to like get her to drive us? So we go to the show. And when I was at that show, I saw River Phoenix for the first time, who's now or later called Phoenix TX.
0: Yeah.
1: It was the very first time I saw the show. And I was like, Oh my God, I love this band. And I came home from that trip and I went to like our local music trader. And it was kind of like where you'd get like punk rock music and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't find the CD anywhere, went to Warehouse. Could not find it. A couple weeks later, Mark kind of comes back into the theater. And I was like, dude, like, I can't find that CD anywhere. And his sister was dating Damon in the band. So he was like, hey, come over to my house and I'll give you a box of CDs. And I was like, okay, sick. So I went to his house and he gave me the like quintessential, like, promo box 25, like, CD of River Phoenix. So I was like, dude, sick. So I went to school the next day and I sold them all. So... (laughs) I just was like, oh. So I sold them and I called him and I was like, dude, I, I've got your money. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I sold the CDs. And he was like, Dude, you can't sell those. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, they're promo CDs, like QR, like, you know, like the barcode scratched. I hadn't, I didn't know what that meant. I was like, well, do you want the money or not? Like, I've got 250 bucks for you. I don't know what to tell you. So I went to his house and he gave me like all the CD boxes that he had. It was like three or four. <laughs> you
0: boxes. can't sell those, but if you can.
1: So I went to school the next day, same thing. Two days later, sold them all. And then people were like asking for it. They're just like, yo, where's that CD? Where's that CD? So I called him and I was like, dude, I need more CDs. And he's like, I don't have any. He goes, listen, I'm going to you with Richard and Stephanie who's on their labels like okay from so I get introduced through. to Richard and Stephanie from Drive Through because Drive Through was like their first signing and this was before Drive Through had distribution Oh my Which God. at the time, again, had no clue with distribution, man. I'm just like, yo, I need to sell these things in six period. Can you get me CDs kind of thing?
0: This is insane. You're just like surf kid from San Diego area yeah. working at the movie theater. And you're like, this band is awesome. And these people want the CDs. Can you guys help me out yeah. or not?
1: Dude, literally like asking my mom for like, like Ralph's paper bags taking them to school. And what's funny is my parents are teachers. So they know everybody kind of like in the district. And so it started become this thing where like I'd come home and like before water polo practice, I'd just like throw the cash on my bed, go to water polo. And so a lot of like the teachers like hit my parents like Chris is like selling stuff at school. We don't know what's going on. It's not really like him. So my parents like find like this wad of cash and they thought I was like doing drugs. And I was like, no, I'm selling CDs. So that was like a whole fun thing. Oh, but man. Richard and Stecker were like, hey, like, do you think you can like sell a decent amount of CDs? I was like, dude, for sure. So I was like, dude, send me whatever you got. So they started sending like boxes to the point where like you'd show up to my parents' house. and My parents were like, what are you doing? And I just started selling them. I would go to Music Trader. I'd put them on consignment. I'd go to Warehouse. I'd put them on consignment. You know, I'd send the money. At the time, I just was like, it, it started kind of becoming a thing where people became like a fan of this band. And I had just gotten into ASB at school. Because there's a girl I had a crush on that was like ASB president. And so I was like, well, I'm going to join ASB. I had no clue what it was. But it's you're basically like the student body that like picks events and this and that. So I was like, well, dude, let's throw a concert in the quad with Phoenix TX. So I go through all the hoops and everything. And I was like, yo, can you guys do a show? We ended up doing a show. Mark showed up and it was like in our quad. And I mean, dude, it got shut down 10 seconds in. Kids from other schools were coming. I mean, I there were more kids at the school like that actually attended it. Like it was mayhem. Everything was kosher until they had this song called the Rooster Song that says, I, I've got a big cock. And once that happened, then it was like, the like police shut it down i was just like
0: you were just like i'm so sorry i didn't know what i have done i, this is so...
1: I, had to, I just was like yo that was sick that was a fun thing um
0: <laughs> just the most like pure fan of music being like i didn't expect it people just
1: like it i do leg- too legitimately had no clue what was happening like amazing i don't even know if i like advanced out proper power and stuff it just happened to like I had no clue that, yeah, I just was, like, having fun. It was, like, something cool.
0: And you said uh, Mark was there?
1: Yeah, so Mark came. Because at the time, he was, like, now kind of, like, managing them. Oh, was he? Um, Yeah, so Mark was managing uh, the band.
0: So by that Uh, time was Blink like popping enough to have like cred cred like what was blink status so this, this time?
1: was this was like the dude ranch era oh shit okay so that's like what up to like 97? mark would come like i remember mark would like come to the theater like he'd be like going to see titanic and it was like <laughs> oh we shot the josie video today you Whoa. know it was like that okay yeah, so it was yeah like blink
0: of- was established like by that time yeah okay
1: Exactly. So they were established. And it was kind of around that time where I was kind of going into like, just starting senior year, you know, my parents are both teachers, I'm getting ready to go to college. And it's like, you have to kind of apply what your major is. And at the time, I always just assumed like, okay, I'm just going to be a teacher, because that's what my parents are. And I remember I was talking to Mark, and I was like, yo, is there a job in the music industry? And I just kind of had like, no clue of like, You know, the things I was doing at the time, like, I didn't realize if it it just for me, it was like, I'm selling CDs, there was a concert, it was right around that time, Richard calls and he's like, yo, I can't have you sell any more CDs. And I was like, Oh, No, like, I'm accounting for them. He's like, No, he's like, you're selling so many units that like, we're not sound scanning them. Like, you're not a legitimate seller. And I'm like, what sound scan? Like I had literally no clue. I was like, okay, well, shit, I can't do that. So that's when I was like, well, let's throw a show. And so yeah, so when I was talking to Mark, he's like, yo, you need to talk to Rick, our manager. He went to San Diego State as well. You know, he'll be able to kind of give you some advice and all that. Because I was just like, what do you major in? You know, right. So there was a bling show that was going to be coming to town, and Mark was just like, well, listen, I'll just like, you know, just meet him at the show, like, you know, ask him this or that. So I remember, we go to the show. And the only thing I needed to get accomplished at that show was just find out, like, what do I need to put on my application as my major? Like, that was literally, it was like.
0: (laughs) Dear Rick DeVoe, what do I write in this line?
1: Exactly. You know, at that point, it was just trying to get my parents off my back because they already thought I was like selling drugs. It was like, what are you doing? And so I met Rick and it was just, it's funny. I still to this day, remember it. I go up and I was like, hey, um, I'm Chris. And he was like, yo, are you the dude selling all those river phoenixies? So I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you want a job? And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. And he like gave me his business card and it like had the like rabbit on it, his name, phone number. And I was like, yo, but like what what do I major in? Like I literally <laughs> was just like, okay, cool. Thanks for the job. But like, what do I what do I major in? So he's like, yo, like, give me a call this weekend. I'll tell you about it, this or that. So I was like, okay. So I remember I left, I leave backstage. And at the time it was like, and your friends were like, oh, you were backstage. And I was like, I think I just got a job. Like, I was just kind of like, okay. So I called Rick a couple of days later and he's like, hey, how about you come over to the house? you know, sit you down and talk about it. So I was like, okay, cool. And he lived in Carlsbad at the time. So this is now where I no longer was working at the movie theater. I'm a senior and I'm starting to be like, okay, I'm getting ready to go to college, uh, going to San Diego state. I should just work at a surf shop because I'm going to need a job down there. I want to get a new surfboard. So I get a job at the surf shop and probably within a week or so, I go over to Rick's and I like show up the first time I show up. My mom's like, you need to wear a collared shirt. You need to show up like, you know, like, and I had no clue. It's like, is this an interview? Is this like,
0: how are you supposed to know? And your mom just wants the best for you.
1: (laughs) Dude, I had no clue. My mom was like, you need to wear this. You need to wear this. I'm now sitting here going like, what's a resume? So I'm, like, filling out, like, sold River Phoenix CDs. Uh, this band thanked me on their thank yous. Like, I had no clue. Like, I just was like, I don't know what a job entails. I remember I showed up to his house, and his wife opens the door. They just had a baby. So they're six-month-old. year old. She's in a bikini. Rick comes downstairs in board shorts. And I'm sitting here tucked in colored shirt, like, all like, hey. And I was just like, holy shit. So I go inside, and... He's like, do you know how the music industry works? And I was like, no, I have no clue. He's like, okay. And he pulls out like one of those like yellow legal pad paper. And he just draws a diagram. And he goes, okay, at the top, you have the band. And I was like, okay. And he draws a line. He's all under it is management. I'm like, okay, I got it. Okay. And he goes and under management, he's like, there's all of these things. And he starts drawing all these circles Record label, legal, accountants—like he just starts listing everything. He's all, and then at the label, there's touring department, there's publicity, there's sales, there's this. Then you have your agent. Then there's this. He's all. Then there's international. Then there's tour. And I was just like, okay. And he's like, so all these people do stuff. And I was like, okay. He's all. And they come to you, and you guys talk about stuff, and then you go back to them, and they kind of like do their thing, and then the final product—it's ready to go. They come to you. You basically clean it all up. You go to the band and they go, yes, no, yes, no, that, this. And then you go back to everybody and you get it done. And I'm like, yeah, that seems very self-explanatory. That's pretty easy. He's like, you got it? That's I'm fucked like,
0: up how well he described the music industry on a legal pad of paper.
1: It literally, to this, dude, I honestly, I just found it like in COVID. I've been like cleaning. I found it. And I want to get it framed because it literally is like band management management label all these kind of things and it just was like this pyramid and I was like okay wow yeah he it was a very simple way I was like okay I get it like that makes sense and he was like you got it and I was like yeah he goes okay cool I'm gonna go surf there's the phones I'll be back in a couple hours it's like okay so he just leaves and there's a laundry and it literally is a pad of paper. He's like here's like a like a to-do thing and I was like okay cool literally first thing on the list it's like call Tom Caldrone thank him for the VMA nomination I'm like okay then it's like call bob hurley ask for walkthrough and i'm like sitting here just like and it literally just a laundry list of stuff it's like call christine Kane, go over international press and i'm just like legitimately had no clue what any of it meant
0: and you have no idea that you've just been given like the coolest opportunity ever no you just showed no. up and you're like Oh, all right. Well, should I take this collared shirt off?
1: It was like a a little room in his office or in his house. And it had two desks, a phone, a fax machine. Fax used to be like the craze. It was like, that's how everything was done. And he had like a filing system. So he's like, yo, this is how I like to file things. So I underline what it should be in. I parentheses if it should be this. So he goes, there's a stack of papers. He goes, read it. Go through everything here's the filing cabinets. Like, that's the only way you're going to learn. I'm like, okay. And he leaves and I'm sitting here now. I'm sitting here just like phone starts ringing. I'm like, how do I answer the phone? I was just like, uh, Rick DeVoe management. And it was Hoppus. And (laughs) And I'm like, Hey, what's up Mark? And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, uh, I work with Rick now. And he's like, oh, cool. Hey, can you do me a favor? I need to get like this base. I want to play it here, blah, blah, blah. Do you mind going to my mom's? I'm like, yeah, I'll go. He's like, yeah, just call Alex, the tour manager. Like you'll set it up and get, it. I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. So I literally, I'm like going through the whole thing. I leave Rick's house, drive to his mom's, get the base. I'm like, what's rocket cargo. Okay. I need to drive to LAX. I'm just like, had no concept of anything. And the phones are just like ringing and people are like needing answers on things. And I'm just like, I literally deer in the headlights, no clue, except all these people do things, you button it all up and take it to the pan. I was just like, okay, that's.
0: I love this though. Like I couldn't stop smiling as you were explaining all of this just because like I know, I don't know, I feel like right now, everyone's like, put me on, put me on, give me a shot. And you were just like, hey, yeah. can you tell come me here, what to put you? on this resume line? And then he's like, well, just come here. here, do this job, shows up. and But you didn't run away from it. You were just like, all right, well, let's I mean, make it you know, work. There's,
1: there's definitely, I think there's these moments where you realize that you have an opportunity. Yeah, And I think that there's sometimes there's people that take it, ev- like push it forward, evolve into something. And then there's some people that are just kind of like there by the wayside, just wanting to like hang out. Like when we were going to punk rock shows, Blink shows back in the day, I think the motive for like a lot of my friends was just to get on the tour bus and have a beer at like 16. Yeah. You know, for me, it was just like, it was never that. It was like, I was so into music and like the, the execution of it all Yeah, of like how everything worked. Yeah. I didn't really care about that. And I was always just like, yeah, I'm down to help and do this, down to do this, you know? And it just, there happened to be a couple of things that started happening where it's like, I was selling river Phoenix CDs and people were interested and excited. So I was like, let me help, you yeah. know? Dude, um, insane. And that then transitioned into, you know, a show. And then.
0: I love that. Cause I think that is such an important like character trait that yeah. as much as you were naive you didn't back down from opportunity and like you had enough of an inkling where you're like, all right. Yeah. Like this is awesome. I'll give it a try. So you're thrown into it. Don't get
1: me wrong. I mean, dude, I fucked up a lot (laughs) along the way. (laughs) Like there was dude, there was a Phoenix TX, uh, most anticipated, uh, photo shoot for AP Yeah, and doing everything. It's all going good, going great. Here we go. Photo shoot day. I had no clue that one of the band members lived in Texas. So come photo shoot day, the art director at the label and I are like, okay, who's going to put the mask on and jump in and act like that band member? Because literally the photo shoot happens. Everyone's like, yo, where's Donnie? And I'm like, I don't know. Y'all, y'all. That was the very first time I realized that people in bands don't communicate. Uh So lesson learned. But I was just like, oh my God. So yeah, I, you know, it wasn't like smooth sailing, but you know, you can you learn along the way and kind of take something and be like, okay, let's not make sure that happens again. Yes. Cross your T's, dot your I's kind of thing, you know.
0: Dude, incredible. Okay, so Rick gives you the chance. Mark is calling you asking for bases, you're calling Hurley thanking them, dealing with like this magical era. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, it was funny. Next? So I remember
1: Rick came Rick came in After surfing, and I was on the phone with Tom Calderon. So at that time, he was like the head in charge of MTV. Like he was like,
0: thank you for clarifying that because I would have missed that. I didn't realize how big of a deal that was.
1: Oh yeah. No, he was like, he it was the like creme de la creme. And I was on the phone with him, and I just was like, Hey, you know, just full conversation and thanking him. Yada yada yada. And Rick walked in during that. And you can tell Rick was like, You're on the phone with Tom Calderon? And I hang up and it was like, and Rick was like, okay, cool. You got it. And I was just, and I keep in mind, I had no clue who the guy was at the time.
0: You were just treating him like a dude that you had to thank.
1: I just was like, hey, dude, I just, I was told to call and Thank you. And I'm super appreciative and thank you for the guys and blah, blah, blah. And we're really happy. See you in New York. <laughs> I'd say for a good portion of the beginning, it was a lot of like, keep your mouth shut, ears and eyes open and just take everything in like a sponge and just because a lot of, you know, I remember there was definitely a moment. I think it was, it was kind of like right after the VMAs, like after blink one, there was definitely this sit down moment with Rick where he was like, listen, things are going to get very busy, very quick. He goes, there's not going to be time sometimes to stop and explain things. You just got to like, keep, I'm throwing you in the fire and you just have to deal with it. And I was like, okay, I got this. Wow. You know? How
0: old were you at that time?
1: Oh, God. I literally, it was, I just started college. You know, I started with Rick like before high school was even done. Wow. So this was like right when Enema came out. This was like 1999.
0: Wow, dude. So like, okay. So did you realize, like, did any of you know that Enema was like about to be what it was? Like, was there a moment, like, was it that moment where it was like the VMA or like what?
1: I would say, you know, I think that, pre-understanding the business side of it. When you listen to that record, it just sounded different. Yes. You know, you were like, oh my God. Like, I remember the first time I heard going away to college. I remember the first time I heard what's my age again, all the small things. Like I remember when Mark was writing Wendy Clear, you know, like I remember I was like at his house, you know, doodling around and it just I don't know i mean dude we're going 21 years ago yeah but it sounded like there was definitely like it sounded different you know and on the business side i i can't really speak to because like i said i had no clue what i was doing or what was going on yeah you know i i i was at the right time
0: Yeah,
1: at the right place let mark into a movie theater for free saw a band that I was really passionate about and wanted to do everything possible to try and share that. Cause I thought they were amazing. Yeah. And was like, yo, I just need to get my parents off my back and write what I want my major to be. And so, you know, I think I would say definitely, I would say the VMA was very much the like, yeah, I would say that and that conversation with Rick where it was like, okay, it's going to get busy now. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in college and it was very much like your parents are going to hate me. I'm not saying you to drop out, but like yo. And I ended up actually getting kicked out of college. Really? Yeah, everybody's just like what did you do? Also it's like I was put on academic probation after the first semester. Then I realized that you're able to withdraw from classes. Did not realize that it's worse than an F if you withdraw past the withdrawal deadline. So then when that second letter came to my parents and I had a 0.5 GPA I was like booted for academic probation. But at that time, I was just like sitting here going like, cool, do I want to go to like econ class or do I want to? go to tour or like fly to Japan or, you know what I mean? Like, I just was like, I'm not going to miss out on these opportunities.
0: So what was your role? Like you're helping Rick, like he's about, and he's like, it's about to get really busy. I'm not telling you to drop out, but like, it's about to get crazy. I won't be able to explain things. And now obviously that makes sense because we look at what Enema was and we look at all of that and it's like, (laughs) yeah, it will. But the, like, star,
1: yeah, the stars definitely aligned on that. Like it was, it was, it was lightning in a bottle.
0: That's so crazy. Know? So like, what was your role kind of like anything and everything? Were you just there helping yeah. where you could, or did you become like a TM at any time? Were you more on the road? Were you more in the office?
1: It was, I mean, dude, it's, it, it evolved into it so much over the years. It's funny because nowadays there's like this term of like manager in day-to-day and day to day. And like during those days, there was never this, like, I'm the day to day. It was just like, yo, it's Rick and Chris, you know? And then eventually, you know, we ended up, you know, um, another girl, Kristen came to work with us. It was always like a unit. We always all did things together. Some people focus on other things, yeah. but it was always just, everything was all intertwined, you know? And I think, it's funny because it's right after I started working with Rick and we were kind of starting to put together the live record. Oh, cool. The Mark, Tom and Travis show. Yeah. Around that time, the label marketing director, this guy, Paul, who you talked to like 20 times a day called and was like pitching me on this band that was on drive through that they wanted to upstream. They didn't have management and was like, what do you think? Do you think you guys will do it? And I was like, I had no clue what else. I was like, dude, send it to me. I was like, dude, this is great. Yeah. Like we'll work with them. And Rick's like, what are you, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like it was just very like, like we're now managing another band. And like, I was like, well, listen to this record. It's really good. Um, And that band was Newfound Glory.
0: Are you fucking serious? And,
1: yeah. <laughs> and so at that time we were kind of like, okay, how do we buy some time just because we're like, what? And and we'd now taken over Phoenix TX because Mark now obviously can't manage it. Oh, my God. So it was like blank Phoenix TX. So Phoenix TX, we were putting together a tour for them. So it was Phoenix TX, Good Charlotte, and Lefty. And we we're like, well, listen, let's put Newfound on tour. Let's just send that out. And it'll kind of like buy us some time you know, we'll kind of like be able to get to know the guys and kind of do that thing. So that tour kind of went out. And yeah, from there, we started managing New Found Glory.
0: That tour goes out. That's you guys buying time because you're so busy putting out Mark, Tom and Travis show without even knowing it, just owning and running the entire like beginning of what pop punk becomes. And it's just three people doing their best.
1: Yeah, I really had no clue at the time of what... Looking back on it now, like when you look back on like the drive through era and all of that, it's funny because at the time, you, it, it was becoming of what was Epitaph and Fat Records to me for yeah. like a newer generation. Wow. You know, it's funny. I said, you know, I saw Richard, what was it maybe like a year ago, like Reading in Leeds. And it's funny to kind of like reminisce where he was just like, hey, back in the day, because they, yeah, they didn't have distribution, you know, through Universal at the time. And I was just like getting CDs, selling them and, you know, became really good friends with a lot of people that worked at like the drive through early years, just because everything was so closely connected, especially with Newfound Glory,
0: Dude. you know? Did you have a moment, though, like, because, like, I get it. You painted such a good picture of just, like, you know you're doing something that you love. Rick is just, like, mentoring you, really, right? Like, you're just going with the flow, doing it all. The way you explain the story, like, it's just such, like, this honest excitement. And you're just doing it, going through it. And I feel like there is the chance at that era to get an ego or to, like, get a paycheck and be like, Enema came out. This band is on top of the world. I am the fucking shit, and I don't get yeah. that from you, but like, did you have a moment where you got a check or like a thing where you're like, this is real, or did you have nothing to compare it to? Did you not understand that it was so I had much? Nothing, better? I had
1: nothing to compare it to you know it, i was I was making money. you know, I guess I would be reaping the benefits in the f- sense that, like my friends would be coming out to shows and this and that, or like th- there wasn't this like big aha moment you also have to understand like at the time i'm sitting here trying to combat the fact that my parents are like pissed at me for getting kicked out of college all they've ever wanted from me is a college degree i'm sitting here saying blink 182 is one of the biggest fans in the world And they just like we don't care and i was like oh, okay you know <laughs> what i mean um i don't know it, at that time there was never like Ego in the game, kind of like where it was, I think, what it is today. Yeah. You know, there I, there wasn't the, like, 40 under 40, 30 under 30. There was none of those kind of, like, situations, you know?
0: But was there a moment?
1: It always felt like such, like, a team effort. You know what I mean? It's like everybody did their part between the labels and the agents, everything. You know what I mean? So there was never this, like, there's never the vibe of, like, you know, somebody's better than that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah dude i it's just that's so cool i love that so then was there a moment though of like that's awesome that there wasn't the ego and like the that side yeah but did you and it's also i almost can guess what you're gonna say but because you had so much confidence in the band and you always felt it like i would assume that as it kept growing you're like well yeah i told you like i thought so but did you have any moments where the bands on tour or an opportunity presents itself where like you had to take a step back and you're just like wait what like was there ever one of those
1: you know i think you know what it was There, there was definitely moments where looking back anything that you wanted would go, you know, it was the era of the music industry where, you know, we would get like a one-off offer and, you know, as a joke, it's like, Oh yeah, we'll only do it if the promoter will like pay for a private jet. And then the agent would call and he's like, okay, I got the private jet. Can we confirm? We're like, you know, and we're like advancing food on the private jet. And we're like uh sombrero burritos, please. And they're just like, stop. <laughs> yeah. Like You know what I mean? Or like, I remember there were times like we would have to like, you know, Mark and I would be driving to LA like on the toll road. Yeah. And I remember at one point, this was like when you had to like stop, pay the toll or else it would be like this ticket. Yeah. And I remember we called uh, Darren Wolf at the label and we're like, Hey, if we run this and get a ticket, like, will you can, will the label pay for it? And he's like, what are you talking about? And we're like, you know what? We're going to call Lisa right now. We want to go live on K-Rock while we do it. And we literally would just call in. They'd be like, Mark Hoppus is about to drive through the tall road. You know, like it was just like stuff like that where like whatever you would just come up with just stupid random stuff, it would happen, you know?
0: I feel like that's so fitting of the music videos too. Like that feels like a Blink-182 music video in that era of just like, let's do this.
1: I mean, I I would say for me personally, I think a moment of like, oh my God was like, uh, Kobe Bryant used to do the Kobe bowl, like a big fundraiser thing. Yeah. So I would say like, that was a moment where you were like, oh my God, that was crazy to be there around the people yeah. or like team choice awards. Yeah. Just because it was like, it's funny because back at that time, like in that era, you would sit at your computer and the video person at the label, her name was Lisa. And you would just wait for the email for her to send to everybody in the company, what the positioning was on TRL you know what I mean? So it was this era where it was like battling Britney Spears, battling this to be like, we're number one, we're number two. Like it would just be, and you would just get an email today on TRL. This is what you are, you know? So I think there was like those moments where they were just these names. Like we just always worked out of Rick's house and we would like go surf. Like Rick was always just very like, yo, stop what you're doing. We're going to go surf. You know what I mean? He was very, whenever we were like in New York, um, He would like talk to a fan outside and be like, yo, do you have a car? Do you know where the waves are? Like drive us out. And we would call like the Hurley rep to be like, yo, can you get us boards and wetsuits? Like, and we're sitting here, like looking back, I'd be like CD release day. When we were playing on the roof of MTV, we were like that morning like sleeping in some random person's house going surfing just because Rick was like, I need, I need to surf. I can't be away from the water, you know? But I would say like those moments like where you'd be like, Oh dude, that was Britney Spears or, Yo, Puff Daddy. You know what I mean? Like at like events, kind of like that. It like I took, think that was just where you're like, are we really like on that kind of level? Yeah. You like know? it took
0: the like juxtaposition of seeing like celebrity, like household names yeah. celebrity, and then comparing that with like Southern California surf kids that asked for mm. sombreros on a private. Kind of laughed and thought
1: it was a joke. You know. I mean, everything during that time, it really was. A lifestyle and how the guys live. The way that people perceive them to be.
0: Yeah.
1: Hands down, I will say the, I've never laughed harder than when Mark and Tom just go at it. You know, I mean, dude, I can't tell you how many times they would hijack my computer and, and send the craziest emails to somebody just making it so awkward and embarrassing. You know, (laughs) I remember I was on some email chain with the owner of the palms Uh huh. Cause we were like going out to like get some sweets or something. And it was like the owner's executive assistant and Mark emails her and was just like, Hey, I know this is awkward. I would love to uh, invite you to my family's cabin in big bear. I hope that we can kiss like just weird, awkward, kind of like things to the point where I'm like, and she's just like i'm sorry this is very unprofessional we're not i was just like oh god Um, (laughs) so it was
0: legit just taking like the surf kids like the kids like just the punk rock kids that didn't give a shit and then putting them in these crazy high profile scenarios and settings and them not being like okay we'll conform they're just like well we're still ourselves we'll just do whatever the fuck we think is funny
1: dude it was it was i mean yeah it was that constantly it's, it's funny. It, it's um a lot of friends texted me recently. I guess Mark watched the like making of the self-titled like on Twitch or whatever. Uh-huh. And there was a section in there where, I mean, back in the day, like your credits that you have to turn in. Now it's like everything, everybody is like on a shared Google drive and Dropbox. That stuff didn't exist. So like, it would be like Handwriting the lyrics out because I'd be like, Do you guys have lyrics? It was like, no. So I'd have to listen to the songs, transcribe it, be like, is this right? But we'd fill out the whole lyrics, and like in that thing, the guys would just like come in and rip up papers. And you're like, dude, these are all your show offers that we're trying to like present you an offer. And they would just be like, eh, rip it and done. And you're just like, so that was like the thing. Like they were very consistent of just causing whatever would make them laugh. Anything goes,
0: you know? Like, would you? Would that like it's stre- you seem so easygoing like to you you're just like well yeah that's kind of funny like w- did you ever have moments where you're just like stressed out of your mind or was it like you and Rick yeah just there's staying there was a summer tour. there was a
1: summer tour where they would put my cell phone on the video screen every show that that was that was like the point where it was becoming like kind of like okay dude I get it jokes on me. like could we stop please? like can you pick somebody else you know Um, but yeah they they. Oh God. (laughs) I was trying. So we got this connection with boost mobile. Yeah. And there was this girl that I was like trying to like date and she was the like main artist kind of contact. And we get all these phones and the very first night they used to do this gig where it's like, Hey, put your cell phones up, kind of like make it look like a lighter kind of thing. And then it's like, Hey, while it's up, Hey, call, call Chris. And they would put my phone number on the screen. And I would be sitting there on the side of the stage and I'd be like, oh, funny. And literally my phone would ring once and then it would be like 3,000 voicemails. And I'm like, what, 12,000 voicemails? Dude, I'm getting emails from this girl and she's like, you are crashing the cell networks. Like, what are you doing? I was like, you guys, this is literally like the biggest clock block you could do. She changes the number. Next night, I send a mass email out. Hey, everybody, here's my new number. Sorry for the delay. Next night, sure enough, new number on. Right? So I was just like, <laughs> shit. So finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to show them. I'm just not going to put the band on copy. So, hey, guys, sorry again. Here's my new number. Put it, sadly, uh, had my like tour manager on and the lighting director on. Well, of course, they're like, hey, we got the email. Here's the new number. So they got it. So it just became this thing where it was just like, Why change my number? You know what I mean. So
0: you like basically just didn't have a phone. Like you had an unusable.
1: It was dude. It was so bad. So the the accumulation of it. We were in Phoenix, Arizona, (laughs) and they would always do things of like, "Hey, we'll pay you this much," or they would always do something of like creating a situation. So we were driving off. uh, We went to like Cheesecake Factory, and on the side of the road, there's like these cornfields.
0: Yeah,
1: and. They were kind of like, you can, looking back now, it was like fully just setting me up to be like, I could do that. (laughs) And they basically were like, oh, did you hear that article that like, you can't run through a cornfield because it's like the tusks are so strong. I was like, dude, I totally could. That's, that's, what are you talking about? So we pull off. You would stop the tour bus? Yeah, no, this was like a runner van. So it was like a runner van, like, like, just like we had the day. So we were just like, hey, take us to a strip mall. Take us to a mall or something. Got it. So we go and they're just like, okay, what was it? 500 bucks? We're going to have you run. You have to run 50 yards through the cornfield. And I'm like, done. And then finally it's like, you've got to do it naked. I'm like, okay, fine. Big deal. So we park off this <laughs> parkway, point, I run up nice. to the front of the cornfield, which was like maybe 20, 30 feet off the road, stripped down and I run and like <laughs> instantly start. It's like, I don't, has anybody run through a corn maze? Because... <laughs> that shit hurts. Like it is legit like razor blades. <laughs> so I'm running through this thing, literally getting sliced up like crazy. And I finally stop and I go, they're not going to know if I ran 50 feet in. So I'm just going to stand here and just count to like whatever and then go back. So I do that. And as I'm running back, I'm like, my eyes are swollen. I'm, I am like, I literally was kind of lost in it for a minute. I come out like not in the area I entered, and I see our security guard grabbing my clothes and running to the van. So now I'm running down this parkway, chasing the van that's driving away naked, just running. (laughs) And they stop, they take a photo of me, get back in the van. Everybody's laughing. I get my money, and we get to the venue, and I'm kind of just like not well. I'm like bleeding. I'm just like. (laughs) My eyes are stinging. So we're in the production office. And one of the promoters was just like, were you off the like whatever road, this and that? And I was like, yeah. He's like, those got crop dusted. And I was just like, "Fucking god!" so there's like, dude, we need to get you first aid. We need to get you cleaned up. So I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So went to the hospital, got cleaned up, like pumped an IV to like make sure that I was all good. Come back to the show. And I'm just kind of like, out of it eyes puffy just kind of like so defeated but also just like dude okay <laughs> sitting on the side of the stage everyone like you know comes to that point of the show and i'm no. like go, okay who are they gonna get tonight kind of thing and it's my photo of me running naked no. and my phone number and i just was like so defeated right like you've got to be kidding me so the next night was San Diego and my parents were coming everybody it's like dude hometown shows used to be like 500 plus guests i mean it was just like mayhem right parents were at the show and keep in mind mom's pissed because you know kicked out of college now i'm like not returning phone calls because my phone keeps shutting the network down and i'm like she can't get a hold of me and dude my grandparents were at that show too so Sure enough, I was like, you guys, just please. It's like, my parents are going to be here. Don't do it. On the screen. Grandparents are there, my parents. And I just remember the look of disappointment from my dad of just like, literally like 20,000 people and me just running across the street naked. You obviously can't see anything, but it's like, clearly I'm naked running across the street and my phone number. And I'm just like, I don't think they really ever knew what I did. Or like my job or anything like they're just very like, what is this that you're doing?
0: You Your know? parents. Yeah, yeah.
1: But meanwhile, you know, they're at the show and they're seeing like all their students and like, you know, 20,000 so people, like it's like, a
0: massive show.
1: Yeah. You know, all their parents are like, oh, Mr. Georgian. He's like, I'm going backstage. You know, so they were like the cool teachers, you know, yeah, always hooked them up like troubled kids with like guest list stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was that was just how it was. It was constantly like one giant joke. Wow. You know, whatever made them laugh, that's what they would do.
0: So that's part one of Chris Georgian's story. I wanted to split it right there because in the second half of the episode, we get into days after Blink. We get into angels and airwaves and everything he did from there and going further as a manager and advice to managers who want to chase a similar path. So it just felt like the right spot to split it. The conversation we ended up having was so good and ended up being about a two hour episode. And I thought it would make a lot more sense to split it in two. So that's why we did that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you see right when part two goes live. If you were listening to the podcast and you wanna watch, this episode is on YouTube. Both parts will be there. So make sure to subscribe on YouTube as well. Again, this was Chris's first ever podcast. So find him on Instagram, shoot him a DM, let him know if you like it. He's at Chris Georgian, his name. If you want to do me the biggest favor ever, make sure to leave a review and feedback on Apple Podcasts as well. It helps the show get discovered. The more the show grows, the more it helps me have crazy guests like Chris on. So it really does help a lot. I'll see you next week for part two. I can't wait for you guys to hear it.